Welcome to the Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Realist. We're bringing you the stories and the people driving change and innovation in the commercial real estate industry. You're about to hear from a changemaker as they share what went right, what went wrong, what they've learned along the way, and what's next. So tune in and join us as we uncover what the future will look like for commercial real estate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Changemakers in CRE. I'm your host, Tom Wallace. I'm the founder and CEO of Release with Commercial Property Management Software. And I'd like to welcome along Brad Krauskopf. Uh, Brad is the CEO and founder of Hub Australia, a premium co-working provider. Welcome along, Brad. G'day. Nice to be here today. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, look, I just thought we'd start with a bit of background. Do you want to just tell us a bit about Hub Australia and your role as the founder and CEO? Yeah, sure. Look, I... I think CEO just means a uh, cat of all trades and, uh, you know, mm. constantly uh, trying to keep people aligned with where things are going, which at the rate of change that things seems to be going in the workspace at the moment, yeah, it keeps you busy. Look, Hub, I, I founded Hub back in 2011. It came across co-working uh, off the back of the GFC, actually, when I was living and working in Europe. You know, that's when co-working, uh, you know, got its first big kick along, largely off the back of freelancers looking to come together mm-hmm. at spaces and uh, escape the isolation of working at home. And Hub was certainly one of those uh, spaces that focused on um, early stage startups, uh, freelancers, not-for-profits back in the, its first five years. But I like to say we almost uh, that started again in 2016. That was when we really pivoted to being a premium provider and had that recognition that we were actually a hospitality company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ultimately it's our job each day to create workspaces that people love. You know, as soon as we did that, and it, it kind of came off the back of whenever I was talking to our customers, the single biggest reason I was hearing over and over again as to why they chose Hub uh, was because we helped them attract and retain the best talent. I mean, it wasn't the cheap desk. It wasn't the podcast studio. Actually, sometimes it was the cafe, but you know, it wasn't always all of the things that you might have thought. And then, as soon as we realised that the the segment and our real value add was around uh, being like a tool in the toolbox for a, a business to say, "Hey, these guys can help me activate a workspace that my team will love, and I can get on with running my business." Yeah. Our business model then pivoted towards, you know, most customers that we were that were coming to Hub were growing businesses, and that eventually settled at around about fifty percent of our customers being businesses that had anywhere from ten to fifty people in at Hub, yep. um, and then that's complemented now by a lot of enterprise customers, and then uh, and I'll only touch on this one now because I'm sure we'll come to it later. Landlords are now also our customer. Yeah rather than just our landlord. Uh, I love that. I think you probably have some pretty cool stories of early stage companies who joined you as a small company. And I mean, hopefully they became, some of them became some of your enterprise customers. Uh, imagine if you're helping them grow and bring and retain talent. Yeah, look, it's super great hearing, you know, hearing and seeing those growing businesses. Uh, you know, we had in particular a legal firm now, you know, they've been with us for 10 years. And, you know, as it's gone on, they've been growing and growing and growing. And more recently, we'll have our scale-ups, your uh, canvas in there. And then also, um, let me see, what are some other good examples? Um, canvas, almost, canvas like 
beyond a scale up now that they're, they're in the stratosphere now? Yeah, so I guess so. That, that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a, that, that's more like an example of an enterprise customer that we've got. You know, increasingly, what we'll find is that businesses will come to us, and it's for that period that they're growing from. 10, 20 people up to 200 people, where it's just impossible for them to predict, you know, what are their workspace requirements are, are going to be. Actually, the, uh, the name came to me now, Salem, an example where you know, these guys have literally gone from 20 to a couple of hundred people over the time that they've been at Hub in a, in a couple of year period. Now, you know, you put that into you know, your conversation with a real estate agent about how much space should I lease? And they, you know, three to five year lease, am I leasing that for 200 people or am I leasing that for 20 people? And, you know, what I love an Anthony Slumbers quote, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't need the office, I need a productive workforce. And, you know, so what we're seeing now is, you know, that rise of space as a service. Yep. And just like 10 years back, or actually it's, it's probably more like 30 years back, you know, people started to move away from owning their own IT infrastructure to putting that into the cloud and putting that into data centers and consuming their IT infrastructure as a service. You know, later on, we started seeing software as a service and you know that had the acronym of SaaS. And now we've got space as a service. And I don't know if software as a service has already got that acronym. So I, I, I think we were going with workspace as a service at the moment. That's good. Yeah, I, I, mean, I love. Uh, I've followed Anthony on Twitter. And I met him a few times when I was over in London, and he's um, he puts out probably the best content I've seen in this industry. He's he's fantastic. So he's a he's a great guy. Hopefully, he listens to us talk about him. Um, and <laughs> actually, from our experience as a company, we're you know we're a software company with around about 150 people, and we're spread between New Zealand, Australia, the US, and the UK. And just what you talked about, as you were saying, I was like, this is incredibly similar to our journey in London, in particular. I moved over there. We had a small team of sort of half a dozen people or so. I moved over there and um, I think it was late 2016, 2017. And we moved offices in that time. I was there for a couple of years and we grew to sort of 30, 40 people. We moved offices five times, I think. You know, so like, yeah. we just, we had no chance of sitting there at the start, me sitting there and saying, hey, I want to sign a five-year lease or a 10-year lease. Like, we had no idea the size we were going to be or what, how our needs changed. Um, and so, you know, we were able to adapt and change as the sky. And luckily, we were able to improve the quality of the office on the way through as well, because in the early days, we had some pretty, uh, we were in some pretty sort of ropey areas of London and places like the back of Whitechapel. But, you know, now we're in a, now we've moved into Holborn. But that flexibility was, it was really, really important to us. We just, as we grew, we couldn't lock into anything. And so, like, think of all of the time that was spent with all of those moves and, and also something which, um, Yes, your company, there, there is a connection to, to property there, but you know, you're not in the, the hardware of property. No. So it's essentially spending time that you don't have on something that isn't your main core skill. It no. just doesn't make sense. No, absolutely. We, we, you know, we just, we've got enough to focus on with our own business, let alone trying to figure all that out across multiple different countries as well. It's just it's too much going on. And I might actually just follow that around now, that trend there. Like, I think there's some real similarities between space as a service and software as a service. Like, if I, yeah. if I think about how we run our business, it's because our customers are on shorter term contracts and they effectively rent our software rather than the traditional way of acquiring the software. It's really important that we understand how customers use the software, how satisfied they are, how happy they are with everything, because we obviously want to have the longest possible relationship we can with them. And I imagine really similar uh, relationship used to be a sign a long lease, landlord doesn't really think about it. They might fix the roof if it leaks bad enough. But now obviously you really want to understand how those customers are, 
how they're finding the space. I said, that's why they are. So how do you keep in touch with your, your customers or your tenants? I'm not sure how you refer to them, but how do you keep in touch? How do you, how do you see how they're interacting with the space and if, and how they're enjoying it or not and how likely they are to stick around with you? Yeah, sure thing. So, so we think of the business as the customer yeah. and then their team are the members. Great. Is how we think about how we think of the people that use our spaces. So as a business, we, like we, we do operate at the premium end and with a, you know, as not a technology company, I would call us a, a high touch organization. So, you know, certainly we have more staff members per member than our competitors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of our competitors are going, you know, that's very unproductive or, you know, we kind of actually see it as part of our, our differentiator with how we provide the, have more staff members there for our customers. But that allows us to have firsthand knowledge. So it's not like we have like a survey or we get to see information every six months, which which we do through surveys, but there's nothing like, you know, being in the same workspace with your customer. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's almost like an unfair advantage. Like I'm actually in the same room with my customer most of the time. Now that enables us to get feedback and respond really quickly and adapt our product. Now where software as a service has a completely unfair advantage and I'm so envious of them is that, you know, when they need to scale something or change something, they might change a line of code or they might call up Microsoft and and get a few more gigs or whatever on the on the server. It's a whole lot slower when I have to call a landlord and get them to change something or or go and lease another square meter of space and fit it out. But it's still easier for me to do that than my customer, the business. Yeah. What we are seeing though is that because the terms are flexible, that business, my customer, can choose which flex workspace provider is right for them. And look, it's it's a terrible made-up word of hotelification. Or, or, <laughs> that is a terrible or, or word. It, it is. I've heard it a few times, but I guess it does kind of put you in the picture. And I guess the key bit that I'd, I'd ask people to take from it is we're seeing brands really emerge as critically important, both in the flex workspace industry, but also for landlords, yeah. where that brand says something about what the quality of the building is, what the standard of the experience is. And like, you know, when you go on a holiday and you choose to, I don't know, you're at the Hyatt or you're at the Marriott or you're at the Novotel or you're at the W, each one of those brands said something different about you. And really importantly, it said something about your business. So where your business chooses to stay is where your staff stays it's where your customers rock up to their office and all of those kinds of things. So what we've found in, in Flex is that people are choosing Hub because they're trying to pitch at a certain level. And then we're also seeing landlords. You know, I'm a big believer that no one landlord can probably pick a single Flex operator to cover all of their assets because you've got to start with the building. And then you've got to build a brand around that building and around that location. And in the moment something doesn't connect and it doesn't become a cohesive package, then the offering gets diluted. So that's where some landlords are choosing hub where they're trying to create a certain kind of experience, which is the hospitality and and it's the premium and it's the national network. Yeah, super interesting. I think the, the, I don't know if they started, but they certainly made it the most prominent with WeWork coming in and um, building a brand around commercial real estate and they're, they're probably testing now the adage that any publicity is good publicity okay. i'm not sure how they're how they're finding that at the moment but super interesting as you're talking about, and it's actually really interesting as you say like now seeing everyone was initially branded or bucketed as 
spaces of service or co-working. And now we're seeing people figure out where in the stack they sit, whether the premium provider, whether the sort of low cost provider, whether they specialize in certain types of businesses. It's just interesting to see the industry sort of mature as it rolls out and gets into its sort of second decade. You talked about landlords. I'd be really interested to understand a lot of our, our customers. Obviously, we sell um, directly to landlords who would be interested to hear this. How do you work with landlords? What makes it great? Do you have examples of just a, a fantastic relationships and the impact that that has? Yeah, sure. And look, so no secret, like we are just like everybody else from the, pre- let's call it the previous decade, uh, we were doing the traditional long-term leases, um, you know, the big incentives and what forth. And, you know, we need we need not forget that, I, like I'd see co-working and, and what happened in the, um, I guess, what do we call it, the noughties, um, you know, 2010 <laughs> to 2020, you know, that was the latest iteration of something that's been happening for ages, like, you know, serviced offices, business yeah. centres, co-working. Regis. Regis, exactly. And now I think we're going to move into, you know, the 2020s will be the spa- uh, spaces of service is what it will become and I want to be referred to as. And I think ultimately we are going to be looking at the landlord playing a much bigger role because now what we've seen is that co-working for all intents and purposes as well is an, an amenity that provides the overall mix in an, in an asset. But I guess more importantly, we're going to see real estate more and more being about the customer. Mm-hmm. So we have this saying at Hub from meters squared to people squared. And so you've got the customer, which is the business, which is ultimately needing to answer to its staff. Um, you know, at the moment, we do have a balance of power where it's, it's very much shifted to the staff with the shortage of labour. Mm-hmm. You know, that will ebb and flow. But certainly at the moment, you know, we, we know who's calling the shots. Now, what that means is that the poor, um, you know, property workplace person in a, in, a, in a company, their job has got a whole lot more difficult. You know, they need to be able to cater to lots of different working styles on lots of different days. And importantly, they need to be able to create an, ex- an experience mm-hmm. because people know that they don't have to go to the office in order to get work done. Yep. So you have to create an experience that makes the cost of the commute seems small and the experience has to be something that's so much bigger a bigger and better than what i'd get by sitting at the kitchen table Mm -hmm. now the good news is you know people do want to be a part of something bigger Um, like people love that they want to be able to connect with their co-workers they want to be able to do some participate in a in a city environment so all of those things mean that people are going to keep on coming back into the workplace but and then bringing this all the way back to the landlord, you know, the landlord has been asked now to provide things for its tenants that it just simply wasn't set up to do. Yeah. You know, landlords often deal in in years and even decades, and and they do deal in square meters necessarily because they have to finance and they have to fit out and they have to do all of these things. But the landlord still wants to attract that big tenant, that big covenant, mm-hmm. that money that gets their building out of the ground and then it gives them a, a great yield that they can then on sell and, and get a good value for their building. But to get all of those things and to have those great tenants that do that, they've got to create an experience in that building that, that it is more than what they were, what they have previously been expected to do. And, you know, this was already happening pre-pandemic, but now suddenly they're expected to do it like now. And, you know, asking a landlord to do or or even us, Flex, to ask us to do it now, it's very hard because you've got to move so many pieces around Mm -hmm. the puzzle and also mobilise the cash to to do it. 
And I guess where that's ending up is that landlords are needing to lean on partners mm-hmm. such as other operators in ways that they haven't had to before. And that's creating some really great experiences like at, um, so for Brookfield. So at Brookfield in Sydney, we operate uh, the business lounge for them on level 11 at Brookfield Place, which has come out of the train station uh, in a big, brand new premium building. You know, NAB is a client, uh, one of Australia's large blanks, b- banks, and we run that uh, business lounge for them in a premium building in Canberra for APG, our landlord there. We run the lobby concierge, the business centre, and then we also do happen to have a hub flex and co-working space in there as well. One other one that I'll mention, um, on behalf of a landlord, we're doing a white label management of a whole of building it's called Yurinma Place. It's in Darlinghurst, in which is just a, an inner fringe suburb of Sydney. And in that place, that in and in this space, they're looking to bring together a whole bunch of different impact projects and what forth. And there, we're we're managing the cafe, the concierge, in conjunction with other operators there, a flex space, and then the overall building activation. You know, so all of these things go way beyond that initial remit of uh, I'll get a co-working operator to take That's a lease. Concerning. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> cafe a few times. How how important is the quality of the coffee um, <laughs> for a successful? It's like it's part of it, – it's actually listed as one of like part of yeah. how we differentiate. The coffee's got to be amazing. Do you personally test every cafe before it goes through? I personally test them as often as possible. Um, (laughs) uh, It's interesting. We used to see, so the member kitchen always used to traditionally be the heart of the hub and in in all co-working spaces. It still is for members, but what we see, you know, each year, I guess, expectations become increasingly higher of the service that is expected, but particularly it may also be more because of our pivot towards a premium product. Mm-hmm. So what we see there is that the cafe and in particular the coffee that we that we serve there, it has to be, you know, like you'd expect at a, at a great cafe down a laneway in Melbourne or, or at a luxury hotel. Yep. If one great thing comes out of this, it's just no more bad coffee wherever we go, then I'd, I'd be pretty uh-huh. happy i call it a success. So, I mean, we're getting into the... Um, the murky world of post-COVID predictions. I was hoping to not go down this path, but we're circling around it. I think it's particularly important and relevant here. Do you, are you willing to boldly make a, a stab at what you see a, the return to office looking like? Do you think will be like, I completely agree that from where we stand as a company as well, we completely agree that in a world that you can do most things online, right? You can socialize online, you can work online. You don't have to leave the house, but people want to, right? And I think it's, we all agree that commercial real estate plays a really important role in an economy and thriving societies. No one wants to see empty buildings, empty office spaces, empty retail shops, no cafes. Like it's a part of the community and part of what makes a city or a town great. So we see it as really important, but obviously it's changing, right? The, the pandemic will um, yeah, change things permanently. You know, do, do you see any major changes? The return to work, do you see a place for B-grade office space, for example, going forward? Or just yeah. give us a, a, an insight to how you think about all of that post-pandemic as we eventually get to that point. Yeah, sure. Look, I guess what I would start off by saying is that it'll be a terrible waste of a good crisis if we don't change the office. Like, we've kind of forgotten to like read stats where like 85% of people were disengaged with their workplace pre pandemic. And 
you know, like why would you want to have so many people for so much of your life not enjoying the space that you were going to? Mm. Like it just makes no sense. And, you know, we always had technologies, the excuse as to why I couldn't do it. But, of course, that excuse is gone and we realised that, you know, it was all because of bad managers and culture and everything in the first place. But we need to adapt and change. And, look, one thing is Gen X, you know, one thing is a Gen X resisting going back to the workplace. And, you know, I want to go back to the workplace. But a millennial and a Gen Z, which make up, I think it's, I think it's 2025, they make, they'll be 75% of the workforce, meaning like Gen X and Baby Boomer are, you know, well and truly in the minority. You know, these guys grew up in a digital world and can are much more used to connecting online. So I think we are going to see this change. Like I'm in Melbourne, which, you know, unfortunately we we have the unfortunate record of the most lockdown city in the world. We, we cracked 200 days of uh, lockdown or stay-at-home orders, it's, as it's sometimes called. Brutal time. Yeah, over the course of the pandemic. And we have genuinely seen there that even in Australia, so Melbourne is bouncing back slower than what we've seen in other um, cities. And I guess I don't so much use the word bouncing back. I think what we've seen is a more permanent shift in terms of how people are going to work, for instance, in a Melbourne versus a, a Sydney versus, for instance, in Brisbane. You know, Brisbane uh, to the north is the Sunshine Coast and to the south is the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. which some people may have heard of. But, you know, so what you've got there is work spread out over, you know, a couple of hundred, over a couple of hundred kilometres from sun, Sunshine Coast down to the Gold Coast. It's just how cities are operating mm-hmm. is very different. Now, look, for instance, with- if I had the choice, if I was in Brisbane, if I had the choice to be in Brisbane or the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast, I'd probably choose the Sunshine Coast. I'd probably be at the beach if I, if I had that choice. I'd be in Sunshine Coast, whether it's in the beach or in the hinterland, but yeah, yeah. I'd be Sunshine Coast. Brisbane's, Brisbane's pretty nice, but those areas are pretty special. They are. And certainly like pre-pandemic, we would not have seen ourselves justifying getting there. But post-pandemic, you know, I do see us being in Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast and then having another couple of Brisbane locations in the suburban areas because of how um, you know, how things are actually spreading out. Specifically back to a couple of those, I do think that there is going to be that continued flight to quality of premium and A-grade assets. And that aligns exactly with if you need an experience that's so damn good that I'm going to get out from behind the kitchen desk and even worse, I'm going to bravely commute, I've got to go to something that I, that's really high quality. Um, now, I don't think that that means that there won't be a space for B-grade offices, but if you're thinking that you're not going to have to redevelop it or invest further in the experience that you create around that asset, then I think that there's going to be a bit of pain coming because um, a B-grade asset, exactly as it was pre-pandemic, will have all the more demands put on it and have to work all the more harder to attract tenants um, as we come out on the other side. I think a lot of people love to say, oh, we'll just reposition it as a residential asset. I don't know a lot about that, but I do know enough to know that that is a lot easier said than done. I know I know of a number of projects where they found that a lot harder than they because those, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the main example I know about is we've seen this a few times where, you know, office buildings have all of the bathrooms and amenities in one place, right, in the center of the building. And then suddenly you want to have plumbing all the way through into every room, multiple rooms. That becomes very expensive, and very hard, and sometimes not possible with the ceiling, floor to ceiling height ratios. So it sounds great. I know the plumbing in particular is not easy and very expensive. Yes. And 
I'm not thinking that um, residential apartments with shared bathrooms are going to exactly be suddenly come in flavour. <laughs> no, but it's hard to see we, that um, taking flight, to be honest. Yeah. But, but what we can see, though, is so around, remember, it's not just work. In fact, it's probably not even work is the major reason that you're going into the cities. So this is where I do still see there is that spot for B-grade office space because what, a bit, what it is, it's about the experience and the amenity around that mm. building and in fact that's actually probably going to be the more important thing because what i wanted the cafes i want to be able to go to a, an arts show after work i want to have all manner of different lunch options i want to be able to pick up uh or try on the clothes that i was going to buy on in the online portal and it's kind of like i've made a journey out of my city that day and you know what? Yeah, I'm going to drop in for two hours to see my team so I can get to know them all. So that's where uh, you know, the B-grade building has a role. But what we need to be thinking about is how do we evolve our cities and not fight this change that has come about, but thrive because of it, because we can make the experiences much more intentional. Yep. And it's hard, but we've got to figure out how to bring all of those different parties to the table. And we'll end up with some amazing cities that, and I know this is a different angle, but, you know, that'll be much more sustainable, that'll be much more have, you know, keeping activity local and the people feel much more a part of. And yep. that's what's exciting about this. Yeah, no, incredibly exciting. I mean, we, we said it's, it's, it's hard to do, but it creates an immense opportunity for those who are willing to think differently, to embrace the change and to create something new that's more relevant to a sort of society's needs in, in this day and age in a post-pandemic age. And hence the name uh, Changemakers in CRE here. That's why we wanted to highlight you. Um, I think it's a perfect point um, to end this off, Brad. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic to hear your story with Hub Australia. Congratulations on all your success. And we look forward to following your story in the next few years. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat today. Of course. Thanks, Brad. You've been listening to The Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Released. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show and sharing the episodes you love. That helps us continue bringing you the best stories about what's next for commercial real estate. Thanks for listening.